When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Football summer Friday morning, folks. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Yeah, Maga Mac. That'd be John McMullen and Jody McDonald. We'll hang with you for the next couple hours and bring two good guests your way. Uh, Johnny Mac, I was up till the wee hours of the morning talking about the phenomenal Sixer draft. Yeah, didn't happen. You were too excited to go to sleep, I I heard. Because it was so important, so groundbreaking, so... I'm trying to get my own pulse down, Jody. It was, you know, it's one of those days. You'll look back on that in 15 years and say, that was the turning point. No. Yeah, my show ended at 3 o'clock. I was pretty sure I was asleep by 3.10. Yeah, somehow I was <laughs> able to overcome all the excitement. The only thing that I thought was funny about it was I found myself talking about UDFAs. It was almost like an Eagles yeah. draft yeah. where... After the draft is over and done with, you actually make no, more noise than you did during the draft. And they did sign one kid I like, the big kid from Arizona, Tabellis. Uh, he's a pretty damn good player in the Pac-12. Uh, so, uh, no, they didn't move the needle much last night with their OUDFAs. Uh, but we will put the Sixers to bed for 
until James Harden decides what the hell he's going to do. Not necessarily. I want to ask about the dichotomy with Marcus. We're going to have Marcus Hayes, so I'll, I'll get some Sixers in there. The dichotomy of the Sixers, the Eagles, the the way to build teams. I, I think he's interesting to talk about with that because he obviously has got his toe in everything uh, when it comes to the city and professional sports. But, yeah, I um, – you know, we're Eagle centric, but I do think it's valuable to compare uh, the mindset of the Eagles who are the most successful. Let's be honest. They're the most successful team in this city, uh, not only from a business standpoint, but from an on, on field, on court, on diamond, on ice performance. Um, I guess you could argue the union. I don't know how they're doing, but they're not one of the major four uh, all due respect, apologies to Kevin Kincaid, our buddy. Um, they're 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 doing well, but um, yeah, I, I mean they're better than everybody else in this city. And, and why is that? I think it starts with ownership and the GM. Agreed. They uh, it, it peaks and valleys. There are times where the other teams are better. Right now. Sorry if you watch the Phillies uh, flail on offense against the Braves the last couple of days and project what the Eagles are going to do. Eagles and Phillies went to the same exact level last year. They lost in the championship round, but the Phillies have had the chance to follow up and they have not come busting out of the gate. And we have much higher aspirations for the Eagles coming into the 2023 season. All right, let's talk about that 2023 season. Uh, we're doing projections and lists and trying to figure out who are the most important people for the Eagles 2023 season. Johnny Max doing one in concert with his pal Ed Kratz at SI. I worked up my own top 25 list and we're four deep, JM. Um, you guys uh, went Kenny Gainwell, Nick Morrow, Reed Blankenship. You're ready to reveal your 22nd most important player for the Eagles this year? Well, not most important because most important, and, and I say that for a reason because Dave Zangaro, our buddy from NBC Sports Philadelphia, actually does an, a most important Eagles oh, okay. countdown. Sorry, sorry and, to misquote you. No, uh, only because it's pretty clear that the most important player on the Eagles is Jalen Hurts. So I think it's different. This is the best player just the best pure football players on the eagles that's our list um and and as you mentioned our our unveiling today at number 22 uh is your number 23 uh terrell edmonds uh the free agent safety coming over from pittsburgh uh so we have him at, at at number 22 and um you know, I think he's going to be a solid uh, but unspectacular player. Um, I think, you know, I think there's something to it. And I remember when they signed him, I was talking to you about, like, I don't get this. I, You know, this guy has played a lot of football for uh, typically a, a pretty good defense, sometimes really good, um, always above average. Um and, you know, they got him for a song and dance. That concerns me a little bit because there's 31 other teams as well, and they're looking at it and evaluating it. So I'm not going to come on here and say this is a great player by any stretch of the imagination, but when I talk about the concerns on the back end of the defense, I'm not as concerned with him as some other 
players back there. Well, the Eagles had to uh, bring in safeties from outside because they lost both of their starting safeties. Watched both of them walk away via free agency. So the Eagles had a little bit bigger need than other teams. Other teams didn't have needs like the Eagles, and that's why uh, they weren't willing to bid for his services. But I'm with you. I still think the Eagles got him on a cheap side. Uh, they have other guys uh, that uh, came in even less expensive than he did, Nicholas Morrow. Uh, but uh, Edmonds got an okay at best payday. Interesting. You've got uh, Reed Blankenship 23 and Terrell Edmonds at number 22. Exact opposite for me. I had uh, Terrell Edmonds at number 23, and I'm going to put Reed Blankenship ahead of him. Both of the safeties go back to back. For yours and mine, I'm going with the younger of the two guys because of the things you said about Edmonds. Not the perfect fit for the Eagle defense. But then again, do we even know what the Eagle defense is going to be? We we know, generally speaking, it's going to be very similar to the one that's been run the last two years, that Nick Sirianni has been the head coach, that he and Jonathan Gannon had a like vision of what the defense was supposed to be. And we assume that it's going to be the same. But he did hire uh, the new defensive coordinator to run his ship. It'll be interesting to see how many changes. And if a guy like Edmonds is the type of player that you can see some of those changes through. I guess I'm going a little old school here by saying Blankenship, who's got more upside. I think Edmonds is what he is. I think we know what he is. He'll be either the same fit or a slightly better fit or a slightly lesser fit here. I think Reed Blankenship's got more upside, and that's why I would rate him <clears throat> above. It just so happens that they fall back to back on both my list and your list. I've got Blankenship ahead of Edmonds. you got Edmonds ahead of Blankenship. Yeah, and, you know, you can argue both ways. Certainly there's more uh, probably upside. You know, I might call it uncertainty because I think there's a bigger downside. So I kind of default, Ed and I kind of default to the sample size. As I mentioned, five-year starter in Pittsburgh versus a guy who had 300 snaps. But I think you're right. I think we know – what Terrell Edmonds is. Uh, we don't know what Reed Blankenship is, and hopefully he can be much more than that. And hopefully when we're doing this li list next year, hopefully he's much higher on the list. I don't see Edmonds going uh, much higher on the list. So I agree with you from that perspective, but, uh, you know, there's also a floor as well. And, you know, it is undrafted free agent. It's difficult to get past that. You know, why didn't he get drafted? Why did everybody pass on him? Why did he get five only 5,000 to sign? There's some physical limitations there uh, from a trait standpoint uh, in, in the NFL's eyes. So you have to factor that into it as well. But, yeah, I mean, Reed Blankenship's got a chance to be here for a longer time, I think, than Terrell Edmonds. But I think short-term, I, I don't have a problem putting Terrell ahead of him to start, and hopefully you, you cross your fingers and hopefully say, um, you know, Reed's a better player at the end of the season. Uh, but, yeah, the contract bothers me. It does, Jody. It, you know, I'm, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 players, 18 safeties, this year got better deals than Terrell Edmonds. That bothers me. 
and he's only 26, and I can't figure it out. The other guys, I can figure it out. You know, Reedy Williams didn't perform. Justin Evans, ton of injuries. Um, uh, um, some of the uh, Nicholas Morrow, you know, it's a safety from is Greenville University. I have to look it up. I don't even know. I mean, I, I think it was Division 60 football. Um, you know, the other guys I can figure out. Edmonds, I, I can't figure out. And it, and it does concern me because obviously these guys, and I'm not talking about just the Eagles. I'm talking about the other 31 teams. They do this for a living, um, the personnel departments. And, you know, the, the, forget about Jesse Bates and Von Bell and Juan Thornhill and, and Donovan Wilson, who are at the top of that list of guys who signed this year and C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who kind of, screwed himself out of a bigger deal by by thinking he deserved more um you know Marcus Epps got 10 million more dollars than Terrell Edmonds what's going on I I I, I don't know I don't know and uh good on Marcus because he earned it when he was here in Philadelphia and getting paid by the Raiders uh, last reason why I'll tell you that I put Blankenship ahead of Edmonds, and this is just a field thing because there's evidence to the contrary. Eagles drafted Sidney Brown in the uh, third round. And uh, again, how many minutes were you allowed to watch Eagles practice? Uh, 100 total minutes. 100 total minutes of actual eyeballs on the uh, uh, Eagles workouts. And some people sung the praises of Sidney Brown, aggressive to the ball, playmaking. Again, very small sample size, but it was what it was. And I think if he cracks the lineup, if he fights his way into the Eagles starting lineup, if he's playing more plays uh, than expected, I think it'll be Terrell Edmonds that's coming off the field, not Reed Blankenship. Even though... Edmonds is more of the prototypic box safety, as we like to call it, the guy who's going to be more helpful in run coverage and not necessarily having freedom on the back end to try and make a play, even though that seems to be more of Reed Blankenship's job. I think they're going to move Blankenship into Edmonds' spot and let Sidney Brown play the way Sidney Brown plays. I, I don't think they're taking Reed Blankenship off the field. So if Brown fights <clears> his <throat> way onto the field, I think it's going to be Edmonds who pays the price. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm kind of the opposite on that. I think Terrell's going to be a starter. I think the only way Terrell's not a starter is if um, uh, something similar as last year happens in that he's in the Anthony Harris position. In other words, you know, I did something else, sort of locks and, and likelies and long shots for the Eagles roster and how many people are locks. Locks to me means 100% you're going to be on the team. I didn't put Terrell Edmonds in the hundred percent category because in some, if, if something happens, if they require a safety, you know, I could see him going similar to Anthony Harris. He was the starter on August 29th and he was out, out the door on August 30th when they got CJ Gardner Johnson, because he's not going to contribute um, on special teams. They ultimately brought him back on the practice squad a um, couple times, but, uh, but, you get my point. Um, I'm not talking about practice squad. I'm talking about 53-man roster. Yep. Um, you can go from starter to out that quickly 
all these guys, the one year, $2 million guys, the, you know, Rashad Penny at running back, they can get rid of them uh, easily. Um, any of those guys they can get rid of easily. So I can't put them in a lock category, but you know, if they don't bring somebody in, I think he's going to be a starter. I, I really do. And, you know, part of the box versus post safety. Look, in theory, he's a box safety. In theory, uh, uh, Sidney Brown's a box safety as well because that's what he played at Illinois. But that's not what the Eagles are looking at him. And that's the evaluation process, more so with Sidney because he's a young player where you think, okay, well, is Terrell going to play post safety all that much? Yeah, he is. Now, Pittsburgh has the best free safety in football. The best uh, in Minka Fitzpatrick. So maybe he can do it, but he's not going to do it at the level of Minka Fitzpatrick. And they don't play the Eagles style of defense. They don't play the Pangeo style of defense. They have the more designated uh, safety position. So get on the field. Uh, um, you got to play the other spot because Minka ain't moving, uh, nor should he. Um, so that's part of it. And then when you're talking about the differences between Jonathan Gannon and Sean Desai, the scheme's not changing, but there's another open door in the fact that, all right, if he's more of the box safety and he can't play post safety, I think he's got a chance to be the glorified second linebacker. They're going to call it big nickel. They're going to call it a three safety package, but he's going to be playing Next to Nicobe Dean. So I think either way he's going to be on the field. Uh, it's just a matter of where and how and when. But he's going to get every opportunity to prove himself. And if Sydney, and by the way, Sydney, and not, I mean, it doesn't mean anything because they started him out slowly. He's a third round pick. He had a couple reps with the second team, very few. For the vast majority of that 100 minutes, he was on the third team. So anybody raving about him, you know, he's playing next to Tristan McCullum. Um, and, and so get out your who. That's that's and that's not to say when the summer gets here, they're going to give him every opportunity. But if Sidney Brown becomes a starter week one, and I, I would say the odds are against that. So what if, if he were to become a starter week one, I think it would be in place of Reed, not uh, Terrell Edmonds. Yeah, that, that's where you and I will disagree. I, I'm with you on let's pump the brakes on Sydney starting week one. I don't know that that's going to happen. We saw evidence last year that the Eagles only moved rookies into playing positions out of necessity because of injuries. And I think it'll be very similar this year except for uh, a big Georgia nose tackle. I don't expect <clears throat> Eagle uh, draft picks to start right away. Uh, and the same for Sidney Brown, but I do believe when and if Sidney gets up to speed, it will cost uh, Mr. Edmonds more snaps than it will Blankenship. I think Blankenship's staying on the field this year. Uh, John, John McMahon, I'm Jody McDonald. John mentioned our first guest. That's right, Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer is going to jump in with us. Mostly bird conversation, but John wants to tie in roster creation as com Eagles as compared to the 76ers and 
Marcus was surely covering the uh, Sixers draft last night because he covers it all <laughs> for the Philadelphia Inquirer. We're going to ask him to cover the Philadelphia Eagles with us next. Marcus Hayes here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? Yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Football Friday, the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We are joined by our first guest of the day, and that's a good shot he's got there. He's looking very ominous. That, yeah, man. If like you're looking for ominous, Marcus Hayes, you got the look down right there. Out hey, on. you know what? Let me let me flip this around. I'll be right. I'll be right back with you. Okay. I didn't realize it was going to look like this. He <laughs> uh, looks fine, uh, but yeah. just we're uh, fine. We're fine. The light on the uh, background. Uh, we got to see the shore, though, so that's exciting. Yes. Even though it's an overcast day. 
Marcus will be coming to us remotely. It's not that overcast because there he is. is. Marcus yeah. in the dark, and now Marcus is in the light. Yes. Damn, Sorry, we can boys. see that handsome guy, Marcus A. Yeah, I like we got to see the ocean though, so that was exciting. Yeah, I can, um, I can, I can facilitate that. I think. I <laughs> yeah, well, that's a that's... good shot. Yeah, very good. All right, a little vacation for Marcus Hayes. We 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 hope you enjoy it, and and thanks for taking a little bit uh, a little time out for us, Marcus. Um, oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Now I you know Jody couldn't sleep last night because he was so excited about the Sixers draft. I I kind of want to. He was excited. Tobias was going to get traded. That's what he was excited about. No, yeah. I wasn't because I knew he wasn't get get traded. All oh. out. Oh, he could get dealt. But he was going nowhere fast. People were begging for action last night. Hey, are you and they a, got are it you with a, undrafted free agents. Do you like Tobias? No, I, I'm realistic about the NBA. Who's oh, all right. I get the fact that he's got an expiring contract, but in the meantime, you have to pay him $35 million to give you 12 points a game. Who's going to do that? I didn't see it the fit be, with any of the teams out there. It might be 17 points if you get James Harden off his team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. The Sixers are in this sort of, um, it's ironic because the whole argument for starting the process was, well, you're in purgatory. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I think they educated or, or tried to educate a large portion of their fan base that this is, and they succeeded, that this is the only way to do things. And now they didn't get it done and they're back in the same position. Um I kind of wanted, because you're in the spot, you obviously cover the Eagles and every other team in this league. The Eagles, a different sport, understandably, uh, but they're pretty concrete as the, the best organization in this town for good reason at this particular time. I think it starts with ownership uh, and and the GM. Um, is that how you see it? Because you were optimistic about the the rest of the teams in this city, you did a column, uh, and I and I wanted to pick your brain about that. Why optimism there, or am I overstating the Eagles and 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 what they've been able to put together? Well, I will say this, and correct me if I'm wrong. The NFC East hasn't had the same champion in what twenty years? About years. Yeah. So the NFL is is formulated differently and you can say what you want about the nfl and its evil empire they did it right they do it right it is the absolute uh, crystallization of uh flawless socialism ironically 27 of the uh, 32 owners are you know staunch capitalists but they uh they share everything and that makes things even you know you really have to screw up really have to screw up to be a bad NFL organization for a long time because you get lots of chances and it's an egalitarian league and luck plays more of a role in the NFL than any Ooh, other sport. Don't, don't say that too loud, Marcus. The Eagles may hear you. They don't like well, the, uh, the L word. No, but they've been unlucky too, but yeah. they've been like, yeah. and they're well run. I mean, John's right. They are the best run organization in the league right now, um, except maybe Kansas city, but they are, um, also lucky in that other teams aren't. I mean, think about what the NFC East has been recently. They're lucky that their quarterbacks have stayed relatively healthy. They got really lucky, or they, they're brilliant with Nick Foles. You know, think about the luck that they've had. 
And that's not to say the rest of it wasn't there. They were right about Jason Kelsey and right to keep him right to develop him. They were right about Fletcher Cox. They were right about uh, Devontae Smith. You know, they were right about Carson Wentz for a little while. So, I mean, it's much more difficult. For me, the hardest sport to be good at for a long time is baseball. It really is. So many things. There's so many moving parts. It's the only roster where literally every single guy, every star, the, 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 of the starters, all the starters have to be good for six months. They really do for you guys, for you to have a, have a chance. So baseball's toughest. Football's probably the, it's certainly the easiest to get right if you screw it up. We've seen Howie do that. Yeah. Well, that's true. You can come back quicker in football, right. certainly. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly how he did that. All right. Uh, I'm going to talk about a guy who we don't talk about much here on Birds 365, which just boggles our mind. That's Jalen Hurts. That he sort of become this given that, well, you got Jalen Hurts. We can talk about everything else about deals. We don't need to talk about Jalen Hurts. But let me at least pose this question. It's been a while since it was a given that Jalen Hurts was the man. You have to go back to his freshman year at Alabama. All right, yeah. Because by his sophomore year, this Tua Tungavaloa kid was looking over his shoulder, so much so that he came in and won the national championship coming off the bench. So his next year, he's the backup to Tua. The next year, he's outproven himself again in Oklahoma. He comes into the NFL, and he's drafted to be Carson Wentz's backup. He gets a chance to jump in and play as a rookie, but it wasn't exactly, oh, my God, look at this guy. He's going to be our quarterback for the next decade result-wise. And even after Carson gets out of town and Jalen takes over as the starting quarterback and gets the Eagles to the playoffs, John and I often reference the fact that don't, don't forget that the Eagles made a play for Deshaun Watson. Don't forget that the Eagles made a play for Russell Wilson. They weren't entrenched with Jalen Hurts coming into this past year. And then Jalen did what he did. He's almost a damn MVP of the league. He's the man. And his contract says he's the man. And his stats say he's the man. But it's been about five years since he's been the man. Any worries about that? That maybe Jalen, although he, he says the right thing every single time, that maybe gets a little bit of a big head? Well, my observation and John's been around him more, but my observation with Jalen Hurts is he's probably the most insecure athlete in Philadelphia who who uses the insecurity to his advantage. I think he knows what his physical limitations are and always have been. And that's one reason that he works so hard to optimize every bit of ability he has. And that's one reason he works so hard to be in the best physical shape he can be in. And he works so hard to understand the league, whatever system he's running offensively, what his own teammates can do. I mean, I really, uh, you know, I, you, say, you hear this all the time. I've never seen a guy work as hard as player X. Jalen Hurts works as hard as Michael Jordan. You know, he really does. And yeah, that was Nick Seriani's comp when he brought up Michael Jordan. I think a lot of people got upset about that one. It's like slow down, Nick Seriani. But he was comparing the work ethic. Work ethic he was right. comparing. Right. Yeah. One of the great things I'll, I'll tell you guys a little story. So, um, when I first got to the Daily News back in the '90s, 
um, first they would send me on these uh, these trips to do long, long stories. And one story had to do with like who's the next Michael Jordan. So there was a guy in Dallas. I can't remember his name. He's a really good athletic player. And so I had to go to watch Michael Jordan play in Dallas to compare it to compare it to. And um, Michael Jordan is when he's on the road. It was very relaxed. When it was in Chicago, it was a madhouse. It was like the Japanese reporters covering Hideki Matsui. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But on the yeah. road, on the road, that was those Jordan. were the days, man. Yeah, yeah when the yeah. Japanese report. Yeah, that was great. So. But when he was on the road, it was much more relaxed. And like LeBron, you know, when he's on, especially when he's on the road, Michael would hold court. He'd make himself available because he's the spokesman of the league. So Michael, you could ask him anything. And we were in Dallas, and we asked him three or four very granular questions about the Dallas Mavericks attack. And he gave us like a history lesson on their scheme, their coach, their assistant coach, Whoever the star was, I can't, I can't believe I can't remember his name. Uh, the tendencies, like you, you, you were, ta- you, you were, Kobe Bryant gets a lot of credit for that, right? Like we, yeah. we've heard Kobe break things down. Well, I wasn't around Kobe a lot, but I was around Mike enough to know that nobody broke it down more than Mike. And when you'd see Mike on the court pointing things out to his teammates, he was saying, look, Ron Harper, you know this guy dribbles twice before he shoots his jump shot. Now, on the first dribble, you got to close out because he never dribbles twice and then goes right. You know, stuff like that, that granular. That's who Jalen Hurts is. That's not who Carson Wentz was. That's not who Nick Foles was. I literally have – I mean, Peyton Manning is the is the comp. You know, Peyton was such a, a quarterback nerd. Believe it or not, I mean, I shouldn't say that, believe it or not. Troy Aikman was like that. Troy Aikman was, was incredibly cerebral. So when you say I've never seen a guy work harder, that's yeah. what he, that's what it means. He, his work ethic reminds me the only eagle I've ever seen work this hard is Brian Dawkins. Brian Dawkins could tell you he was like uh, Ed Reed, uh, what's his name, um, the linebacker from Baltimore, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. He could yeah. tell you like by the intonation of the snap count what the play was likely to be because the quarterback got more excited about this type of play than that type of play. And that's yeah. the kind of quarterback Jalen Hurts is becoming. He's becoming very much like Brian Dawkins was as a safety. Yeah, Luke Keekley in Carolina too. He could he he would call out plays that NFL Films has, and you know before you mm-hmm. know just from the from the formation, he was like that. Um, I thought you were going to go Harold Miner on us, baby Jordan. Maybe uh, <laughs> you should have got the trip to Miami. Uh, I, I, I felt bad that uh, I felt bad. That, I think Harold might have been kind of done by then. Yeah, like he had a very, maybe. very brief incandescent career. It was uh, Michael Finley. That's who it was. Michael Finley. Oh, okay. Yes. There you All go. Right. You know, there was a little Jerry Stackhouse in Philadelphia, if I recall. Were you around for Jerry Stackhouse? There were some Jordan. Uh, we arrived North Carolina. Same, we arrived know, all the that same kind year. Of stuff. Yeah, yep, we got to Philly the same year. And, uh, you know, it was, that was probably my most, I, I, I get, I'm not from Philadelphia, so I really don't care what happens to the teams, but the most sort of like vicarious evil pleasure I've gotten out of the, being in Philadelphia with kind of like, you know, this is going to work out for us because, you know, we're, we're is uh, the, the failure of the process. That's been 10 years of vicarious, shameful joy, 
right? Shameful joy. Yeah. Well, I'm I with feel, you. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't want to like it, but I yeah. told everybody it wasn't going to work. So it's kind yeah. of like I told you so, but you don't want to be right. You know, you'd rather. No, you don't want to be right. But you, you, be happy, you, right? Yeah. You, but you want the apology at the end. That's what I want. I never get yeah. apologies. <laughs> Still I, not got, I got attacked. Don't uh, hold your mercy. breath. Oh. Yeah. I, I trust me. I, I've been. Uh, I'm still in the in the process bunker. But the second most <laughs> pleasurable, the ple- second most sort of vicariously pleasurable evil pleasure was watching them try to match somebody up for years with Allen Iverson, who was just unmatchable. Like you couldn't. He yeah. didn't practice. He didn't defer to anyone. He was never part of a system that worked. Yeah. Except look at me. So, like, you know, whether it was Stackhouse or Larry Hughes or whoever, it was never going to work unless it was Allen and company. And it did kind of work one it or two did. years. It did. It, it, it was the Eric Snow, uh, uh, George Lynch, Ty, Tyrone Hill group mm-hmm. uh, where it worked. Theo Ratliff. Because um, they guys, all deferred. Everybody yeah, just said, deferred. okay, fine, we'll deferred. defer to AI. They yeah, all bought was, in, which is hard to do. Get eleven other NBA players to go. Yeah, we'll take our second second fiddle status and be happy with yeah. it. Mark is exactly. And that was a very good team. Do. Larry Brown deserves a lot of credit for figuring well, that that's, out. See, that's that to me is probably the most underappreciated thing in my twenty eight years in Philadelphia. Best coach we've had is Larry Brown. Oh yeah, I agree. You with know, you. And it's not close. I mean, he I is maybe the best coach I've ever been around. As you know, longevity-wise, except maybe Marv Levy, who was the first coach I ever, first pro coach I ever covered. But Larry Brown, being able to make so many of those iterations with Allen Iverson functional, yeah. Yeah. Had, it, despising Allen Iverson and the kind of basketball Allen Iverson had to play, that to me is the genius. It's not, you know, if I write a good football story or basketball story, I'm not nearly as proud as if I write a good hockey story. Those are harder for me, or soccer. Because I'm very familiar with football and basketball. So yeah. Larry Brown coaching the Allen Iverson style was probably the best work he's done. Yeah, I'm with you. I did a story uh, as a stringer for the Boston Globe about the union and the revolution. I was so proud of it because I did do mm-hmm. so much research, whereas I can, you know, just pick up football, basketball uh, and, and do it off the cuff. So, yeah, I get that mentality uh, 100%. Um, but we are an Eagles show, so I got to Tom Bigby it, uh, get it back to the Eagles. Um, at, it, you know, this team, one of the interesting parts, I don't think I've talked to you about this because I just it just popped into my mind a couple weeks ago, and I haven't gotten a chance to talk to Nick about this, is that extra layer he added to the coaching staff. I think we all talk – we know they lost the coordinators. Um, Brian Johnson, I think everybody has a lot of confidence in little bit more uncertainty about Sean Desai, but he certainly, I think, won over a lot of people early uh, when he got to talk to us. Um, but they didn't have this extra layer of uh, uh, senior offensive consultant, senior defensive consultant, Marcus Brady, former coordinator, Matt Patricia, everybody knows, longtime coordinator, uh, former head coach. Why do you think they did that, Marcus? Just as an insurance policy, what, what, you know? Well, wasn't uh, wasn't there like a, uh, the guy that used to coach the, coach the Broncos, the coordinator for the Bears, 
wasn't he around the last year or two as a consultant? Um, oh. Well, Vic was a consultant for the Super Bowl. Um, you know, only, the, only for the uh, Super Bowl. Only two weeks. Is that who you're referring to? No, no, no. I was thinking about. I was thinking about uh, Vic. Um, I believe that they liked that. I believe they liked having sort of a liaison, especially on the de- defensive side. Because think about this. Think, think about it this way. Okay, so you're Nick. You've got Jalen. You've got Brian, who's never been an NFL off- offensive coordinator. You're in a situation now where you're probably going to, if you remember, the, the best thing Nick Sirianni has done as a coach is recuse himself of the responsibility of, of play calling after yeah. game six or seven of his rookie year. That's, that's unprecedented. Nobody says, as a rookie head coach, I can't do this. It's too much. So I think he thinks he's going to have to be more involved with everything, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And I think you're going to see a lot more asks of Jalen Hurts this year. I think the, you know, the playbook hasn't really been open especially to the degree that they want to open it. I think we've seen them running an offense that suits the quarterback, not an offense they prefer. And as the quarterback matures, they're going to be able to do more, right? So I think you're going to see more Nick Sirianni as offensive coordinator this year than you did in the past, which means he has to have somebody communicating to him in very simple coach speak what's happening on the defensive side of the ball and with special teams. So I think this – increases the number of voices in his ear without having to sit down with Sean Desai. And, you know, let's be, let's be real. I mean, as much as we hope that Brian Johnson and Sean Desai are the answers, they lost both their coordinators. The last time the yeah. Eagles lost this many talented assistant coaches, they went into the tank for three years. Yeah, it's so, a big deal. And everybody seems to gloss over it. It's a big so, deal. I think having more voices and more experienced voices is an insurance policy that Nick, Nick doesn't mind and Howie and Jeffrey made mandatory. Uh, this is completely to my, to, you know, not to my understanding, but to my instinct, a Howie and Jeffrey move because one of the, like, why would you add Matt Patricia to your staff knowing that the most volatile personality on your roster despises Matt Patricia? There has to be a reward for that. There has to be a reason for that. So I think that they are very, very wary of putting too much on the plate of Sean Desai and Brian Johnson and want to support them as much as possible. And by they, I mean Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, and Howie Roseman, the uh, general manager. And what is, what's his actual title? Vice president or? Executive vice president and uh, general manager, I think is there the official go. Uh, he used to be the executive vice president of football operations, and then he now went to the GM title back. Right, um, right. Yeah. Titles are big in the NFL. Yeah, that's why I said. But see, here's the thing with with Bick. When they brought Bick in for the Super Bowl, he was helping the offense. In other words, you know, he was telling Nick Sirianni, uh, "If we do this, what's the defense going to do?" And Marcus oh. Brady was helping the defense. And they were saying, hey, Marcus, if we do this, how, how, how would you combat that as an offensive coach? Now, that's what they tell us. Well, that's what they tell us. Okay. I've been around Vic a lot, right? I was there for this. I was embedded with the Bears for the uh, week before the Super Bowl run or the Eagles. Uh, yeah. During, during the Eagles second, when they, when they, what was it double doink? Yeah. The double doink game. I was embedded in Chicago for that week. Okay. 
I have a hard time believing Vic wasn't in the defensive meetings at some point doing something. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe not being the oversight, certainly doing what you said he did, but I can't believe that that's all he did. You know what I'm saying? Um, you can't prove it, but no, you can't all, all you got to do is walk through. Yeah. All you got to do is walk through the door. Yeah. And yesterday, Marcus, uh, we had Jeff Mosher on. And because we've been talking about the whole structure of the Eagles and why they have an overseer and a safety net type coach and a veteran. And Jeff said he believes that it was as much a Sean Decide thing as anything else, that the Eagles wanted to have a veteran guy in his ear, help him out, not necessarily a position coach, but and that he was the guy who identified uh, Patricia that they had had previous ties and the Eagles ran it by him. said, we'd like to bring in someone else to have someone as part of the staff. And then Matt Patricia was as much a Sean Desai idea as uh, Nick Sirianni or Howie Roseman or anybody else, which I found very interesting. I had no idea that was the case, but Moshe dropped that on us yesterday. Yeah, Jeff's pretty, just pretty, uh, and I've known Jeff for 20 years as well. Like his gift is, you know, six degrees of separation stuff. Yeah. This guy did this at this place. It's, it's yeah. right off the top of his head. He's kind of a, he's kind of a savant that way. Um, I, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, that that said, it, that's not a good enough reason for me to risk the defensive back room, which you've all, already risked. I mean, the head. Yeah, you already did that with Denard. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean... Denard Wilson's gone, who they loved. Not only did he not get promoted, he got fired, and the replacement is bringing in a guy one of the defensive backs absolutely hates. So it when it, it, I again, this is this is a, uh, an evil pleasure for me. I can't wait to see how this works out because there's a 50-50 chance that there's going to be some drama because there's a real good chance the defense isn't very good this year because it has a new, you know, sort of uh, template and scheme. You know, and, you're asking, and, and, and think five about how, new starters, five new right, starters. Right, think about how, you know. how bulky this defense was the first few weeks under Jonathan Gannon. Jonathan Gannon made his bed the first few weeks in Philadelphia because Fletcher Cox didn't want to do what he was asked to do. Nobody was effective at getting to the quarterback on the edges, and they weren't blitzing. Now you've got a rookie middle linebacker. You've got two old defensive linemen in uh, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham who may be physically – diminished to some degree and certainly will have a learning curve, but they're going to get snaps and you've got two effectively two rookies as your other two defensive tackles. You've got a lot. I mean, Hassan Reddick is wonderful. Josh wet is great, but you've got a lot of guys who have to do a lot of learning against really good teams. This could be a real issue, you know, into November. Yeah. I've been talking about that for a while, Marcus. Then you just have the regression to the mean. Look, I think if, if there were no salary cap, if they still had Jonathan Gannon here, they weren't going to be as good as last year. You're not going to get 70 sacks again. You're not going to be the number one ranked passing defense, the number two ranked overall defense. History tells us, I mean, there are, are spikes and then you go back a little bit and vice versa. It's very hard to be that consistent year after year. And then you have turnover with the coordinator, the five new starters. I feel bad for Sean Desai because the expectations, because so much of the fan base disliked Jonathan Gannon. Well, he's the reason they lost the Super Bowl to a lot of people. Um, now they expect more 
out of Sean Desai with those circumstances, he's coming into a a really tough situation. Really tough. Well, I would say that it, it possibly the most if you think about the guys who made the most plays, the most dynamic plays over the last two years, or the over over last season, who are they? CJ I would say Hassan and 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 CJ Hassan well, up front and then CJ. Well, I would say Javon. No, Javon. Javon. Yeah, <clears throat> so Javon Hargrave, and if, if we can agree that Hassan is among that threesome. Two thirds of your most dynamic players are gone. Now you could argue that they were so dynamic because of what was around them. If Brandon Graham's on the other side, back to his natural side, actually, and Hassan's on the left side, it, it helps. Fletcher Cox, say what you want about him. He's really good. He was going to get money in, in the free agency market. <clears throat> he helps Javon Hargrave. He helps everybody. You've got three cornerbacks who, at the beginning of last season, we thought were more talented and better than C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who played safety. Now they might be even, and he might be better than all of them. But he looked great playing behind them. So it may be a chicken or egg kind of thing, right? But we do know Hargrave and C.J. Gardner-Johnson were good, talented, understood the scheme. They were good in the room. There are a lot of things that you're going to lose, losing two of your three most dynamic players from a Super Bowl team. All right. I want to flip it back over to offense, Marcus. You made me think of this when you mentioned Marv Levy. Everybody's putting out their lists, uh, teams, positions, uh, rankings going into the year, projections for the upcoming season. What order would you put the top five quarterbacks in the NFL heading into this season? You know, there was a, I think I was listening to a radio show yesterday. Uh, I think it was, so, and the topic was, where is Jalen Hurts? And it sort of depends on how you define top five. So I would say Jalen Hurts is probably a top five quarterback for the next three years. And that's because I think that's how long, if he continues this style of play, he will be elite as an offensive weapon. And my contention has always been, you can't make a guy play differently than he is. If that happens, he starts hitching. He's, we saw that this with Donovan a little bit. We saw it with Carson a little bit. So if Jalen remains sort of the offensive centerpiece for both the run game and the pass game. I give him three years and it makes him as valuable, not as Patrick Mahomes, who's the best, maybe the best quarterback in history. Um, it makes him as valuable as Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, maybe even more so. Maybe he's more valuable overall than those guys. And we've seen his ability to learn. We've seen his ability to improve his passing game and his footwork, um, you know, you know the deep outs to the left side, you know, throwing into tighter windows over the middle. So we can expect him to improve. So I'd say he's in the top five now with those guys. Maybe there's a guy I'm missing. You know, maybe Lamar Jackson, if he stays healthy, he's as valuable or even more valuable. But the same sort of qualifier, you, quarterbacks who run get hurt. Jalen Hurts was hurt on a running play this year. He lost two games, and he was diminished as a quarterback through the rest of the season because his shoulder was injured because he chose to run the ball <clears> given <throat> the option on a certain play. If that remains part of the game, and he was, from my perspective, I don't know if we've talked about this, he was hurt intentionally. The guy tackled him, 
and made sure that all his weight landed on Jalen Hurts. That hit that you can't do anymore in the backfield when you yeah. sack a quarterback, you he made sure yeah, you to collapse his weight onto Jalen Hurts, which is exactly what you're supposed to do. If the quarterback puts himself at risk, you know, he must go down, he must go down hard, right? So all that said, I would say Jalen Hurts is a top five quarterback now. I would say, um, you know, if his game changes, he might be a top quarterback for the next 10 years. But he has to be able to be comfortable with that change and change himself. Um, but, uh, I mean, at this point, it's Patrick Mahomes and everybody else. I mean, he's just. All he's right. Just see, I'm going to I'm gonna try and tie you down better than that. Get it. Mahomes won. Then the group. Put the group in order for me. Who's two? Who's three? Who's four? Who's five? Well, probably Allen is two, right? The, up in <clears> Buffalo. Johnny Mac really- doesn't agree with you there. Yeah, he's okay. too reckless for me. Uh, Talent-wise, I agree 100%. Trait-wise, yeah, it's I, unbelievable. I, but I think you can change that. Like, you could become less reckless and stay as talented. And he's a relatively young guy, right? He's just he's, yeah. uh, he's just signed yeah. his extension. So, um, I would say Allen, number two. Uh, you know, I, I've only, Joe Burrow? Seen, Burrow, I've only yeah. seen Burrow play like three or four complete games just because of the nature of my job. Um I love him as a leader. Like he's got elite arm talent. Um, but there's just something kind of lacky. He's not quite – it's hard for me to, in an era of RPOs and mobile quarterbacks, yeah. to put him three knowing that that's not really a part of his game, and that shows sometimes. So – I would probably say he's five, um, which leaves us with. Well, then you have Herbert, but he's more of that as well. Yeah. Tremendous arm talent. That's the thing. Like his arm talent is maybe the best arm talent in the league, you know? So maybe he's four and you could, those are interchangeable, which means that. Who am I missing? Who am I missing here? You want to show up. Aaron Rodgers and the psychedelics in there? You know, I, I can't uh, – I believe Aaron Rodgers at this point is the best passer of the football we've ever seen. I, mean, I agree. Ever yep. I agree. But I don't know with his consistent inconsistency in the postseason and kind of like his – I believe the – you know, and encapsulated weirdness, the brand that he has embraced, yeah. the he's, Joe he's Rogan of the NFL. Yeah. He's I think that really affects what happens on the field and really in the locker room. Yeah. I mean, think about think about how unpopular Aaron Rodgers was at the end of his Packers tenure. And he didn't really do anything. He just became kind of strange. So yeah, but the, I, the, the Jets love him. At least that's what I'm hearing. To a man, well, well, of everybody course. in that locker room loves him in if New he, York now. He's going to have to get really him. weird for them to get off the Aaron Rodgers bandwagon. It's easy to be loved until you start criticizing your receivers. That's what yeah. he does. Yes. Well, you know, I mean, criticize Garrett Wilson. I guarantee you that. Uh, so I don't know. I guess it would be like Lamar. If, if you had to build a team, it's hard to come off Lamar Jackson and his potential and his talent. So if I had to rank them, it would probably be Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, probably Lamar, then Jalen. Then either Herbert or or Burrow. Yeah, um, and again, I'm not. You're, you're a bigger team. fan of the running quarterback. I got Burrow number two. He just 
you, you, you match the accomplishment, which includes going to a Super Bowl with the numbers. All right, he doesn't run. I'm okay with that as long as he moves the team up and down the field. I would have Burrow uh, number two by Mahomes. But you're but you're saying that Lamar and uh, Jalen don't move the team up and down the field. They do. I mean, I, I'm talking Not about like Burrow does. Yeah, they do. I mean, they have a, well, well, they have a spectacular did. offense. Jalen I mean, they had a great year, offense. Jalen ran it. I mean, yeah. Bur- Burrow's done it two years running. Um, how many how many yards did Burrow throw for for two straight four thousand yard years? Um, right, but it's not it, just throwing. It's running the offense and being a weapon. And I mean, I I understand what you're saying. If you want a classic quarterback, if that's the if that's the question, who's good? Who's the best classic quarterback? Who's going to have the most longevity? No. That's a different that's a different conversation. Jalen Hurts wins, and he moves. He he runs the offense, and he wins. Uh, at Ink Stained Wretch, follow Marcus Hayes on Twitter. Tremendous columnist uh, at the Philadelphia Inquirer, Philadelphia Daily News, Inquirer.com, Sports Radio WIP. You can listen to him there as well. Marcus, before I let you go and enjoy the shore view, tremendous view again, by the way, um, talking top five quarterbacks. Nick Sirianni's starting to get some love with uh, those top five coaching lists. Here's my question to you, though. You kind of intimated before, Jeffrey, and, and how we get involved at times. Uh, we saw it with Doug Peterson. At what point does Nick Sirianni grab for more power? Or does he? That's the history of coaches I'm in this league. The more success you have, the more you want. And and to this point, Howie's taking a back, uh, Nick's taking a backseat to Howie and personnel. Coaches, you know, he's given the guys he likes, but when he doesn't have somebody, Howie goes out and finds some candidates um, and kind of steers them in a certain direction. We all know the famous Bill Parcells quote, you know, if you want me to cook the meal, let me buy the groceries. Does he get to that point or is Nick happy just, coaching the football team he's given? Honestly, I think Doug was happy coaching the football team he was given. He wanted to hire his own coaches, and yeah. that wasn't allowed. And you can argue that he shouldn't have been allowed because Doug wasn't as involved or invested league-wide as Nick is. And maybe that's why Nick's given a little bit more latitude. But, no, I don't, I don't see Nick Sirianni making a power grab really at any at any point. I just don't think he's interested in it. Bill Parcells, Andy Reid, uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson, they weren't nerds. They were executives. They were CEOs. They wanted to be the boss, right? Peterson and Sirianni are very similar in that they're football nerds. They love football, and they love to coach football, and they love to teach football. Now, if you're going to do that and be the de facto general manager, it's just too much. You can't do it. You know, I mean, um, Belichick up in New England doesn't do a lot of teaching. Andy doesn't do a lot of teaching. You see what I'm saying? But when you go to the practices and when you talk to them, when you interview them, Nick and Doug are very granular in their coaching, hands-on, I want this guy to do that. 
which can be, you know, there's there's an argument that that's not the best thing either. If General Patton is telling you to lace your shoes up, it's different than your, your sergeant telling you to lace your shoes up. But they love teaching. They love coaching. They love sharing their knowledge. They love showing off their knowledge. And that said, I just don't think they're, they're the, either one of them is the kind of guy, and we know this about Doug, who is interested in, you know, watching six hours of tape on, you know, uh, the pro, you know, as pro scouts, free safety tape. You know, that's what you got to do to do the job the way Andy Reid and Bill Belichick do, do it. You know, you have to watch that tape. You have to, you know, you have to watch the 17 quarterbacks in the NFL draft. And I don't think they have the bandwidth for that. I don't think they have the interest for that. They trust the people who will filter that for them. And they'll watch the two or three that they might draft. And they'll talk to the one or two that come in. But they're not, I don't think either one of them, I don't think either one of them is interested in the dual role, which is exhausting, you know? And the other thing about Nick is (laughs) Nick's Nick's very invested in his family. He really is. He's got small children. He's got a good marriage. And the amount of time that takes is overwhelming. And he doesn't need to do it. When Andy was in Philadelphia with Tom Heckert and Howie Roseman and Joe Banner, he had he, he looked around himself and said, I'm better at this than they are. I don't think Nick or Doug could look around them. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best-kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. 
And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. And say, I'm better than Howie Roseman, especially when he, when he had uh, Joe Douglas and Andy, Andy uh, Weidel here. I mean, yeah. that was a really good front office, so you didn't have to worry about it. Um, so to answer your question... I don't see Nick being greedy as far as personnel power, but I think you might see him become a little bit more uh, demanding when it comes to like staff issues. I think he's gotten his way and I think he's deferred when he hasn't had a candidate, but I think that that will be the only friction in that um, sort of arena or category of the relationship between Nick Sirianni and the brain trust. Marcus, good news, bad news there, because I actually do remember Belichick as a giant coach when he was all about coaching and then took that attitude to Cleveland when he got his first coaching job. He was all about coaching. He wasn't anything about being a a control-of-everything general manager Mm -hmm. type guy. Oh, he got there pretty fast. Once you have a little success, you can make that leap. You can make that jump. So all we need from Sirianni to get there is like two or three Super Bowls. And then he'll be just <laughs> like Belichick. And he'll want to take over absolutely everything. Marcus, great stuff. Enjoy your vacay, bud. Appreciate you coming right. on and uh, giving us a half an hour of your time today. We'll talk all right, to you boys. Have, have a good time. Thanks, Marcus. Marcus. Appreciate Davis it. From uh, the Daily News and the 94 WIP jumping in with us on uh, – Birds 365. All right, J-Mac, J-Mac, you got a couple of Macs here with you on Birds 365. Got another good guest yet to come in the season it is lists. Pro Football Focus has got probably more than anybody else. And oh, by the way, we check their lists all year. We don't necessarily check everybody else's list. They're not putting out a list every single week. That's what Pro Football Focus does. We got Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. He's going to join us coming up in less than 20 minutes. Keep it there on Birds. Imaginations run wild, and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore, all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind, and get lost in the woods.
save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Got John McMullen and Jody McDonough. Back and back here with you on Bird Street 65 Football Friday. Well, it's summer football Friday. There's no football being played, actually, anywhere. But we're talking about it here on Bird's 365. And Johnny Mack, I saw your boy Eddie Kratz did a uh, column on the NFL Supplemental Draft. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I didn't realize it was back. Yeah, I know it's gone. It's been gone and, for uh, a couple of years. Mm, yeah. Got washed away by COVID and yeah. the ancillary, <coughs> excuse me, the ancillary effects thereafter because a bunch of guys wanted to stay in college. They didn't make themselves eligible for the NFL draft when they were given extensions because of time missed during COVID. So there just weren't players eligible for it. But apparently there's at least one player that's going to be eligible for the supplemental draft this year. Do you think the Eagles have any interest in a wide receiver from Purdue who didn't play last season, but played okay the year before? So a year completely removed from football. We can harken back to the 80s when Chris Carter was an Eagles uh, supplemental draft. If you're going to be Chris Carter, then I have interest. He's, he's similar size to Chris Carter. Um, you know, the Eagles need a receiver, so I don't know what they think about him. Maybe they give up a seventh-round pick, but I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, um, it'll probably take five minutes. Everybody will pass, and maybe he'll sign as an undrafted free agent somewhere. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah, I, I mean I- – but here's what I heard, John, and uh, if if you can check into this, please do so. It's not even the way that they used to do the supplemental draft, that they have changed it, that they group the league into three, three, three te- they group the teams in the league into three groups. The teams that made the playoffs, the teams that didn't make the playoffs but won more than six games, and the teams that won six or less. Then they have a lottery between those groups and they put them in a specific order. And then they just ask you to uh, submit a bid that you say, I'll take them in the sixth round of the supplemental draft. And if there's no one else who puts a bid as high as a sixth round on it, he's yours. If more than one team puts a bid in it as a sixth round, they go by the order that they've created through the supplemental draft. So it's not even... You pass, first round pass, second round pass, third round pass. No, you submit a bid for what round you'd be willing. And you know ahead of time what position you are in the draft for that. Eagles will be somewhere between 25 and 32, say, 
uh, and then they make uh, their bid ahead of time and they find out you got them or you didn't get them. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know of any change. I mean, it was never uh, you go down the list and first round pick number one, pass, pass. It was always, you know, you have a certain group of players. Usually it's one or two. This year's one so far and say, all right, we'd like this guy in the fourth round and you give up your fourth round pick in next year. And then it would go by if two teams offered fourth round picks, you know, the, the worst team would get the player. I don't know if that part of it has changed. Um, I haven't looked into it. I'll look into it. Um, but it was never, you know, people going through each and saying pass, pass, pass. It was all right. Chris Carter, third round. Uh, we'll give up our third round pick and, you know, it makes it very quick. That's why it goes and, you know, it generally goes very quickly. Um, and I, I don't know much about uh, Milton Wright, I guess is his name, other right. than he's six foot three, 200 pounds, you know, and the Eagles need a receiver. So he, he was pretty good at Purdue in 2021. Um, who knows? I, I have no idea what they think of the player. Uh, I have no idea why uh, Milton is in the supplemental draft and, and what the issue is. So um, there's a lot of things that come into it. Generally, you know, it's some kind of off the field issue or that's been cleared up or maybe it's an academic issue in, in college and they got kicked out of college or something like that. But uh, um yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold my breath if I were a betting man on Milton Wright coming to the Eagles and uh but you know he might not get drafted and and and, and then he becomes an undrafted free agent and who knows? You never and, know. And you can make a play for him. I uh, I'll make an argument both ways. <clears throat> uh, the Eagles could very well uh, end up with this guy and one argument as to why they have no chance to get this guy. The reason that I think the Eagles will probably not be a player for uh, Mr. Williams is they put such an emphasis on draft capital that they 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 covet draft capital and they're always looking to upgrade draft capital and they don't want to part with draft capital. He was a guy who didn't play football at all for the, the, the last year and you're going to give up what you throw a seventh rounder on it? Do you think is that's going to get him? Shoot, I think the Eagle value the set, stinky seventh rounders. Um, so I doubt it's going to happen. But here's the argument that the Eagles will make a play for him. And you say this all the time, John. The Eagles love to win in the margins. They love. They, they, they love to find the angle, the different way to look at things. And it's been three years since anyone was drafted in a supplemental draft pick. If the Eagles find the guy who is eligible for the supplemental draft and no one has been for four years and he comes in, he turns into a player for the Philadelphia Eagles, they can once again throw their chest out and say, we're just smarter than everybody else. Uh, I don't know which of those is going to kick in. One of the two will. Either they don't want to give up their draft capital. They're already got their scouts in place for the 2023 upcoming draft. Or the fact that they like being the smartest guy in the room. One of yeah. the two will win yeah. at. I don't know which one it'll be. It is a position where they could use some some help um, as a backup, um, too. You know, like if it were a defensive lineman, I'd say, nope, not happening. Um 
but they do need they could use an extra body at, at receiver and uh, but again i don't i you know they might not like the player at all so it might be inconsequential but i don't know what kind of prospect he is uh, but it is a position they need uh, they need some help at uh, when it comes to depth purposes. So um, one of the wide receivers they doesn't look like they're going to be getting, and you and I agreed there was very little chance this was ever going to happen, even though you heard a you and cry from a percentage of Eagle fans. I did see a report to say said said DeAndre Hopkins has whittled his two potential teams down to two. Um, that the two teams that he visited the Tennessee Titans and or the New England Patriots uh, made enough of an impression on him. I guess their offers are in the ballpark that they could go back to the negotiating table. Um, I got a buddy who's a Boston guy and knows uh, someone who's uh, embedded with the uh, New England Patriots. And I heard they were actually impressed with Hopkins when he came in. Um, he's kind of an aloof guy. He's kind of a, shockingly, we don't have any wide receivers in the National Football Leagues who are different and or divas, do we? Yeah, that he was, <laughs> that, that was his reputation. But he came in there and impressed the Patriots. So uh, my guy told me that he thinks the Patriots are going back in and going to make another offer that they've got a real good chance <clears throat> to land. Well, there the we go. Then we'll see uh, DeAndre Hopkins on week one. Could you imagine if he scores uh, two, three touchdowns in week one? Uh, yeah, the fans will be up. and Yes, up Eagle and fans, you should be rooting for him to land with the Tennessee Titans because uh, the Eagles will not be playing Tennessee this year, but they will see the Patriots week number one. Uh, I was a Hopkins guy. Shoot, I called him the best wide receiver in football three years ago, above Devontae Adams and everybody else. I thought he was number one. As he was, he was, he was up Houston. there. That was not. Uh, I mean, things happen quickly in the NFL. I mean, Julio Jones was a monster right up until he wasn't any longer. Um, and that's the question with DeAndre Hopkins. But yeah, at the height of his game. He was he was he was in the conversation for being number one overall. A couple of years ago, I went to a uh, Jets. You can watch them on TV. You go. You get to go to the games all the time. I don't get to go all that often. But I went to a Jets Texans game, and the Jets couldn't come close to stopping them. Now the Jets weren't very good on day. Didn't have, it wasn't Sauce Gardner out there playing defense for the Jets against DeAndre Hopkins, but he just caught absolutely everything that came his way. I said. How do you stop a guy like this? And then I realized, well, he is playing the Jets. Uh, but the Jets are going to be better this year. Watch out. I, I have not said this on Birds 365 yet. I've been saying it since they got him. The Jets are going to be good. I've been, I, I mean, hey, you know, maybe the ayahuasca goes in a negative way. Maybe the psychedelics, but he better Aaron Rodgers, I, I don't think people, it, it's amazing. But if anything, he's underrated. <laughs> If anything, he's underrated. I I saw, I kind of chuckled. It was just the uh, the uh, sort of headline at Pro Football Talk about Nathaniel Hackett's going to turn the Jets' offense to over to Aaron Rodgers. It's like really, really, Nathaniel. Thanks, thanks for pointing that out. You should give him your salary. Uh, uh, for being a head coach in this they, league, they hired they hired uh, Nathaniel before they ever traded for Rodgers. <clears throat> yeah, well, Denver did too, with the assumption they were getting Aaron Rodgers, um, and they didn't get him. And then it was the emperor had no clothes. 
Um, the Emperor's got his clothes back with the Jets, and uh, it, it's going to be fine. He's he's a tremendous, tremendous quarterback. I mentioned this last night on my WIP show. Um, I went on my sports wagering app this week, and I put down a couple of shekels on the outcome of the Super Bowl. Last year, I told you before the year started, I had the Eagles against the Miami Dolphins, and both of them were long shots. The Eagles were a long shot. The Dolphins were an even longer shot. And I had the Eagles beating the Dolphins and the Dolphins beating the Eagles. And if that Super Bowl had hit, I would have cashed and cashed pretty good, as a matter of fact. <clears throat> this week, I put in my pro football Super Bowl. Oh, Rangers. here we go. New York Jets. New York football Jets. The Philadelphia Eagles to beat the New York football Jets in Super Bowl 50. What are we up to, Johnny? 57? 58. 58. 58. Um, what do you think the odds were? You got to pick the two teams and get the team right. Eagles beat the Jets in Super Bowl 58. What do you think the odds were? Well, they got to be pretty high because I think more so the Jets because, and you know, the AFC is tough, right? I mean, you got, they got to jump over Kansas City and Cincinnati and Buffalo. Um, so I, I got to think they're pretty long, but uh, I would be talking out my well, then I'll tell you, since you don't want to talk out your butt. Uh, the Eagles to beat the Jets, 80 to 1. Yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah. Last year with the Dolphins and the Eagles, and remember, the Dolphins were a long shot, and the Eagles are a pretty low, big long shot themselves. I got 240 to 1, which was outstanding. Did I cash the ticket? No, and I might not cash this ticket either. Uh, but the Eagles to beat the Jets was 80 to 1. The Jets to beat the Eagles... 90 to 1. So I got a little juice on the other side because the Jets, as you correctly point out, are in the tougher conference. They are not the favorite in the AFC by any stretch of imagination. Eagles are the favorite in the NFC. So I'm back second consecutive year. I'm betting on the Philadelphia Eagles to be in the Super Bowl. Was last well, that year. Would, by the way, the Eagles have never lost to the Jets in the regular season. The Super Obviously, Bowl, they've the Super never Bowl played. would not be the regular season. I know. Would it, John? That's my point. What if they, what if they beat the Jets in the regular season, and lose to them in and the then oh lose boy. to them in the Super Bowl? Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah, Oof. that Birds three sixty five that Monday after will be uh, something that, that would be a guilty pleasure, as Marcus Hayes would call it. Can't uh, be missed for us here on yeah. Birds three sixty five. All right, Mac and Mac, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, quickie timeout. Come back. We've got Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus and. What's his uh, cap website? Overthecap.com. He contributes still there. Well, we'll talk both rankings, ratings, and some cap with Brad Spielberg next here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. 
Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus and OverTheCap.com. I just sent him a text to see if he got the uh, – uh, he's hopping on now. He should be joining us any second because I reached out and said, hey, Brad, did you get the uh, link to join us? And uh, he just got back to me, so he should be with us momentarily. And, yeah, we're going to ask him a lot about all the lists that Pro Football Focus had put up. Uh, By the recently. way, Jody, I got – I found – Nathaniel Hackett. Jets will give Aaron Rodgers freedom to run the offense. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Nathaniel. Um, that, that doesn't come as a surprise to you, Johnny? Man? Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks. I, I don't want to pick on people, but, uh, you know, there was one comment. Oh, Rodgers is just another Pete Manning. Uh, oh, is that all? Is that all he is? Like it's an insult. I, I don't know. I, I swear to you, Jody. I think Tom Brady's success broke people. I, I think, you know, it broke people. And, and the assumption that, oh, you should win. If you're the best quarterback, you should win seven Five rings, eight yeah. rings, nine. I, 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 Peyton Manning is one of the best quarterbacks who've ever lived. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks who've ever lived. Standards are out of whack. They are out of whack. They're just insane. 
here's when you when you break it down to its simplest terms here's the thing that i think some people have trouble actually computing there's only one winner every year. So if Tom Brady is winning it, Peyton Manning can't win it. They don't have two or three Super Bowl champion quarterbacks every year. There's one. Oh, he's so, just a, he's just another Peyton Manning. Can I sign up for that? Can I yeah. sign up uh, for another Peyton Manning anywhere? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, the standards are, boy. And I'm glad we got Brad. Let's bring Brad up because... I, I do want to talk. We're going to talk about list and and welcome to the to show, Brad. Um, but you know, I I kind of want to pick your brain about roster building as well. And and I wanted to ask, and maybe I'm putting you on the spot here. And tell me, I want I wanted to ask you, who's your favorite young GM in this league right now, and and what sets them apart? Because one of my concerns is uh, is that. You know, for the most part, I agree with the modern sort of environment. We talk about running back devaluation, linebacker devaluation. We talk a lot about here in Philadelphia. Um, but it's like if everybody's doing the same thing, then it becomes, all right, who does the same thing the best? So who stands out to you amongst sort of the new age GMs? Yeah, I think I'll give you one that's been entrenched for a little bit and one that's brand new, uh, but I'm impressed so far. So Brandon Bean in Buffalo, uh, I think, has done a very good job thus far. Um, some missed draft picks here and there, does some things I don't love, but for the most part, does a very good job, just like Philadelphia, a ton of early extensions, prioritizes premium positions, tackle, edge, wide receiver, etc., um, and just has built this entire thing around Josh Allen, just always trying to improve his quarterback circumstances and anything he can do to help this offense improve. So I think he's one. And then a new guy that just started this past offseason, but I love his first offseason. Uh, that is Monty Austinfort in Arizona. So wow. I know they kind of yeah. tore the whole whoa. thing down, yeah. kind of starting over. But look, I think you know you don't have a contending team right now. Contain, you know, a competitive team right now. And so instead of trying to kind of put some Band-Aids on things, look, you trade down in the draft, you get Houston's first rounder for next year, could be a top five, top ten pick. You get their third round pick next year, and you get Tennessee's third round pick next year for Will Levis. You could have acquired a top five pick and then two top 75 picks. You don't spend any money. You just get cheap, get young, and kind of start over. I, I appreciate that they didn't try to – you know, kind of kind of be mediocre, just be bad and, and then be good, you know, quicker, you know, later on. Well, then I got to follow up with this question. Since John took you there, I see one of the latest articles you put up on uh, Pro Football Focus was a look at the Minnesota Vikings future rebuild or contender. What are the Vikings? Where, where, where does uh, Kwesi fall on this uh, level of respect list? Has he done a nice job in your eyes since taking over? Do you like what he's doing with the roster this year? Yeah, they're very, very interesting. Where they they've been trying to toe this line of staying competitive, uh, but also you know getting way younger and rebuilding a lot of this roster. And last year, look, they they, they outperformed their talent. Their win loss record was not indicative of how good their team was. And so I give him kudos for still moving on from franchise cornerstones like Adam Thielen and Eric Kendricks and all these players. 
I wouldn't love the idea of trading Daniel Hunter. I think he still is a very good player, and maybe that does happen. But but it's tough. Basically, Kirk Cousins makes it so they can't go full-scale rebuild, but they also aren't going to actually contend, and they're kind of stuck in purgatory a little bit. And I think he, you know, I think he does realize we want to get way younger. Their defense last year was top 10 in snaps by older players. Like, all, you know, a couple of things I mentioned in the article. But nevertheless, o- over the course of all of his moves, um, I do think he has a cohesive plan. I think he knows what he's trying to accomplish. It's just tough sometimes. There's forces pulling you in different directions. Uh, but yeah. this season will be big. Yeah. And then figuring out quarterback going forward is, is everything. Well, and I, I want to throw the New York Giants into that mix as well, because, you know, if you look at Minnesota, young GM, Giants, uh, young GM, they both probably overachieved the Giants upsetting the Vikings in the playoffs even more so. Uh, they both have good teams, but not great teams. But they're both in the NFC as well, where we look at and say it's not the AFC here. The, the, the way they do, the way Minnesota did business this offseason would make sense to me if they were in the AFC. It doesn't make sense to me in the NFC for this reason, Brad. You know, Andy Reid's mentality back to 1999 was like, be consistently good. And then if the stars align, you might make a run. You might not match up with the Eagles. You might not match up with the 49ers but you get the right injury on the right week in the right year. And all of a sudden you're in a position to take advantage of that and maybe shock the world. I Is, is there any room for that in, in the new age sort of mentality and saying, all right, you're not going to be bad because Kirk Cousins is too good, but we're never going to put Kirk Cousins in the, the Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, category so you won 13 games even though you shouldn't have and you talk about all those late game wins which are probably not going to manifest themselves again but then again you had one of the worst defenses in football so brian flores is going to make that better just by showing up um i guess i don't get it like i can't win 13 games and say all right you know what we overachieved but yet, I keep going. I, I apologize, but I, I think it's important to be honest with yourself. So I can't, I'm torn. Like, I like that Questy's being honest with himself, but I don't know if he necessarily understands the landscape. Oh, I think that is one of the, the, the tough parts about it is that, like you said, if they were in the AFC and, and they're sitting there saying, look, there's 10 teams better than us. Like, let's just try to, you know, be re- be realistic with where we're at. When you look at the NFC, I mean, in particular, their division is not a very good division, the NFC North. Yeah. And then I think, you know, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Dallas, outside of those teams, I don't think anyone, you know, you can hang your hat on as a legit contender. I like Seattle, I like a couple other teams, but you know, they have plenty of question marks in their own right. So I do get that. That's why I do think trading Daniel Hunter, in my mind, would be a mistake. When you look at the moves they made, look, Adam Thielen, you watched the tape last year. He lost a step. Yeah. I think his deal in Carolina was too much money. Eric Kendricks, yeah, pretty good player, but again, 30-plus-year-old off-ball linebacker. Like, Zedaria Smith trade, he needed a new contract, so it kind of complicates it a little bit. I'm sure they would have kept it at, at his dollar amount, uh, but he got a raise and got a year chopped off his deal so he can get back, back, get back to the market. The one for me where I would then fall into your bucket is 
Daniel Hunter is 29 years old or, or, or going to play the full season at 29. Yes, he's had injuries, but double-digit sacks, 70-plus quarterback pressures per our charting, um, great against the run as well. I think Brian Flores would love to use him uh, in any capacity he can. That's the one where I would say, okay, now I don't get it. To this point, I think they've just moved on from some older guys and gotten younger, um, which I get. I know Devin Cook's 27, but, you know, $10.5 million salary. Again with him, you know, yes, the volume stats are there. The production is there. He had our highest stuff run rate in the NFL the last two seasons at 24%. That means just runs for zero or negative yardage. So, you know, just trying to get more efficient and, and get younger um, but, yeah, long answer short, the Hunter one, I would then fall in your bucket of being like, well, hey, you probably still can make the playoffs. Like, why not just give it one more chance even while getting cheaper um, and then maybe really hit the reset button in 2024 and beyond? All right. This is uh, from the list you guys have been putting out. I think it's a very interesting uh, dichotomy. Who was the best defense in the National Football League last year, Brad? I would say probably the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know the list you're referring okay, you to. You don't even I'll have just... to expand. I was just looking for the answer. Yeah, I'll who go Niners. Sec- who was the second best defense in the National Football League? Probably Philly or Dallas. Probably I'll go Dallas. You won't like that. I'll go Dallas. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 For these purposes, I'm going to accept your first answer. Sorry, your second answer will not be accepted. <laughs> San Francisco 1, Philadelphia 2. Where do the linebackers of the Philadelphia Eagles rank on pro football focuses going into this season? Probably 32nd. They, they have never cared about the position. They've no. never invested draft capital in it. They've never spent on it. Uh, that's they beat the Rams. On. They were 31, Brad. Yeah. Oh, wow. Rams. Okay, good for them. That's higher than I would have guessed. Where are the San Francisco 49ers ranked at linebacker going into yes. this season? First, for the first. second year in a row. So the first, the team with the best defense from last year has the best linebacking core, and the team with the second best defense from last year has the next to last linebacking core. Certainly two different philosophies of the two organizations. I know the answer is somewhere in the middle, but who's closer to right? San Francisco and the emphasis they put on linebackers or the Philadelphia the Eagles and the emphasis they refuse to put on linebackers? Well, they're both right for putting all the emphasis in the world on defensive line, and then the rest is kind of gravy, right? So, uh, yeah, look, I'll, I'll go Philadelphia because I do think it's not a position I would want to spend a ton of resources on. Look, Warner was a third-round pick and just became the best off-ball linebacker in football. You might as well pay the guy, but but they are where they are on that list because they just continue to pour resources into that defensive line they have for a very long time. Obviously, Hargrave just switched camps this, this offseason. That is why they're that high, and the best defense is Dallas as well. Like I mentioned, you know, they understand that defensive line kind of controls everything, you know, on defense. Um, the Chicago Bears, too. Your Bears, uh, Brad, uh, they spent a ton of money on off-ball linebackers. I know um, Trevor uh, did, I believe, uh, at Pro Football Focus, did the linebacker tiers. Um he, he put Tremaine Edmonds in the second tier, tier two, which I'd agree with, and put uh, T.J. Edwards in tier three. And there's another young GM kind of going against the grain. I kind of respect that, to be honest. I'm not sure if it's the way to go, but I kind of respect people that zig when others zag. I was Jody knows I'm a big fan of Moneyball, and I love the movie and, and Billy Bean and when they say, hey, it's not about – buying players it's about buying wins it's always stuck with me it's always stuck with me it still sticks with me um i don't know is there is there 
something to to zigging when everybody else is zagging. There's a, my favorite quote in the history of Bill Belichick, and he's obviously had a lot of them, but it's probably 15 years ago now. So the, the Patriots used to run a 4-3, um, you know, almost exclusively, or maybe they ran a 3-4, excuse me. They ran a 3-4, and they switched to a 4-3. Uh, and he asked, a reporter asked him, why did you guys switch the defense? And he said, when I started running the 3-4, it was Pittsburgh, New England, and, and I think Vegas, you know, the Raiders. They were the only teams that ran the 3-4. So he goes, Finding outside linebackers that could pass rush was easy, and finding big, you know, one technique nose tackles was easy. He goes, now there's 18 teams in the NFL that run a 3-4, so it's easier to find four three defensive ends and three technique you know, D tackles. So he literally just changed it because of supply and demand of the players available. So yeah, I think there there is credence to what you say, where if everyone treats everything the exact same, then maybe you can zag a little bit. I think Chicago also probably in their mind said. We were going to give Roquan Smith this money. Now we get a second and a fifth round pick from Baltimore and still spend this money on that position. You can kind of, you know, maybe, you know, have qualms with that, that theory. But, but I think that was probably their thinking as well as they already in their mind were prepared to spend at that position. How much do you think the Eagles going to miss the linebackers they let get out the door? TJ Edwards and Kaiser White. We know they're going to turn over the defense to Kobe Dean. He's going to be the guy who's going to call the signals. I just flat out love the kid when he was at Alabama and think he's going to hit the ground running and um, probably be pretty close to what T.J. Edwards gave him, maybe a little bit more dynamic than what T.J. Edwards gave him last year. They're going to miss Kaiser White. Uh, I, I, the Eagles have once again shown linebacker, linebacker, they don't care. Are they going to pay a price for it this year? But no, I mean, because what they do enables them to do this. I like Nicholas Morrow. He's actually a former bear. I can't believe Philly got him for a minimum contract. I didn't think he was going to sign a a huge contract, but um, I thought he would be similar to more uh, to Kaiser white one year, 3 million, some incentives, that type of contract. Um, He's a consistent player. He can play. Will he can play Mike. He can do a lot of different things. Injuries have kind of slowed him down a little bit, but he's a good football player. And then yeah, Nicobe Dean of Georgia, obviously everyone knows that story. So look, TJ Edwards was, was a very important piece for them last year. Got better as the season went on, you know, blossomed into a true three down player, all those things. But yeah, short answer no because the defensive line is maybe not maybe not better but but you know Hargrave's a big loss but but could be as good with all the new pieces you bring in in the first round maybe is better um and, and that's what matters uh Brad uh nobody knows more about contracts uh, than you uh that covers this league tremendous respect for your knowledge there over to cap.com as well as pro football focus maybe it's unfair but you bring up Nicholas Morrow it's not just the Eagles. There's 31 other teams. And they not only got Nicholas Morrow for what they got him, zero, zero guaranteed money. That scares me. Um, I, it Should it scare me? It, 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 when you see contracts like that, does it your antenna go up? I would say this on the Eagles or, or a team, you know, coming off a of Super Bowl, it, it's less. I wouldn't be shocked if he had a better offer from another team, but it was, you know, one and a half million instead of 1.2. And yeah, maybe $500,000 was guaranteed or whatever the case may be, which basically just guarantees you a, a spot on the training camp roster and not much else. So yeah, no, he's on the Eagles. It's basically this guy came here because he wants to have a spotlight, play a bunch of primetime games, play behind the best defensive line of football after probably playing behind the worst last year in Chicago um, and, and build his cachet to get a better contract after the year, it, it wouldn't scare me too much. But, you know, I understand the question, of course. 
Let me uh, follow up with the salary cap question. Last year, the Eagles were able, uh, when they needed it, land two veteran defensive linemen to give them a little extra push against the run guys off the scrap heap, so to speak, in season. And, yeah, both of those guys helped the Eagles uh, because they were susceptible to the run and not as bad when they added the, the two veteran guys. If they were to do that again this year, guys who aren't on a roster now don't really want to go to a camp, want to be able to jump onto a team that they think has got a chance to make a deep playoff run. Eagles well positioned to do that with where they're at in the salary cap right now. Yeah, you're forgetting too, uh, Robert Quinn, uh, the third third guy to throw in the mix. For, yeah, we're for trying to forget company. Robert Quinn. That was intentional in case yes. you didn't pick up on it bigger. Mr. Chicago yes. wants to rub salt in the Eagle fans. Correct. Yeah, we yes. suck at a fourth-round <laughs> draft pick out of you guys for Robert Quinn, who did diddly for us and diddly for you. Thank you very much for that, Frank. Of course. Yeah, Tyler Scott <laughs> looking good in camp. Cincinnati wide receiver looking good. So, uh, anyway, yeah, they do. They're always going to have that cushion, that, that little you know room in their budget to have a couple in-season moves. And I I think Howie has shown like he wants to win a Super Bowl. Like he is trying to, you know, again, you never use the words all in, so to speak, but I, I think they are viewing that there's a window right now. They have a ton of really good young players, but also your Fletcher Coxes, your Brandon Graham's guys that you can't take for granted that won't be around forever. I think if a similar situation pops up where, you know, they feel susceptible to a certain area, they will still be in the market for, hey, give this guy a call. You know, kind of waiting for a call all offseason uh, and bring him in, you know, midseason or whatever the case may be. I think they'll be in that market again. Um, do you sense you, you mentioned Monty Osenfort, and it's pretty clear that the Arizona Cardinals are kind of tearing things down. Um, we all know who's going to be in the draft next year. Uh, a lot of things can happen, but uh, number one overall, uh, a lot of people are looking at a, a potential generational prospect at the quarterback position. Um, do you think, whether you want to call it tanking, whatever word you want to use, do you think it's going to be more prevalent this year, especially if teams start off and it becomes pretty clearly that eh, we're just not very good? So that's the thing is that in my view in the NFL, the only person that can actively tank is the GM. You can just not give your, your coaching staff yeah. a good enough roster to compete. Mm -hmm. right? You can't actually ask players not to perform. Yeah. Yeah. You can't make up enough fake injuries and all these things to get guys to just not be out there because these guys want to earn contracts and keep playing in their careers as they should. So the thing you said right at the end there is if they're off to a bad start, like if, if I'm looking at teams like last year, the Rams, like, Cooper Cup probably could have come back at the end of last season, but the Rams said, hey, let's just shut it down and get healthy. If Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup get hurt again this year, they probably have the worst roster in the NFL outside of their top three players. Like, I think that's the scenario. Or let's say Kyler Murray's knee doesn't, you know, uh, progress is not as great as they hoped, and it's week 10. He still hasn't played, and they're one and nine. Just sit him out for the season. Like, stuff like that, I think. Um, yes, I mean, he, he is that level of prospect. I think he is a generational prospect as of right now. Who out of the two top two quarterbacks who went one, two in the draft this year, who do you think's got more chance to hit the ground running first by their own skill sets, their coach and whatever, and, and the players around them, who's in the better situation to have the better rookie year out of uh, the two quarterbacks drafted one, two. 
I think it's Bryce Young, but by a mile. So for wow. both reasons, wow. yeah. A for his skill set. I, I think the the most impressive thing that I saw on Bryce Young's tape is his poise, is his pocket presence. It's almost like he has eyes in the back of his head. He is just so calm and composed in the pocket. And, and people sometimes say, "Oh, well, it's all Alabama. His offensive line this year was not very good, and his receiving core this year was not very good either." So. Um, you know, that excuse does not really exist for me. And then for the, the, the ecosystem, look, Frank Reich, I have a lot of respect for, but also you bring in Jim Caldwell, who has a history of working with quarterbacks, working with offenses. Their offensive line is actually an underrated unit on unfortunate injury in week 18 to right guard Austin Corbett. It's kind of annoying because I think they'd have like a top 10 offensive line uh, if he was healthy. I don't love their receivers that much at all, though. But then Houston. Their offensive line is also solid, two good tackles, some other good pieces, but the receivers are, you know, near the bottom of the NFL. And then I do like the new coaching staff. You know, D'Amico Ryan's obviously the head coach. Um, their offensive coordinator is actually a, a former PFF guy uh, many, many years ago. So, so a good ecosystem, but it, it's not quite, you know, Carolina Panthers level. All right, Brad, uh, Jody mentioned uh, your piece on on Minnesota at Pro Football Focus. I want to talk about your running back market piece uh, that you recently did. Uh, the lack of growth at that per- particular position, uh, grown by 12% since 2011, at least 60% less growth than every other position. What, what, uh, what can running backs do? Or is it just they, they're – are we going to see at lower levels great athletes saying, I don't want to play running back. I want to play receiver. I want to play quarterback. I'm not going to get paid to play running back in the NFL. That's what you – know, you got to start to wonder. Because you know, I think not only has there basically been no growth, but I think Christian McCaffrey's $16 million per year deal might be the biggest contract at the position for the next three or four years still. Like, I, I don't see anyone surpassing it. All the guys this offseason, uh, you know, Barkley, Jacobs, and Jonathan Taylor, I don't think any of them get near there. And it's almost like, are we waiting on, like, Bijan Robinson to, you know, just be as incredible as he's expected, and maybe he breaks through three years from now? Like, that's the only name that kind of comes to mind. Because if Taylor can't do it, and Taylor has a rushing title and a first-team All-Pro in his second season, then, then who's going to do it, right? So – I wonder, right, if, if I was, look, a father or a coach of a player at that position, I would say, hey, go start running some routes out of the slot or go see what safety feels like or, or whatever because, yeah, I, I think there is no end in sight for this. And they take the most hits uh, and get the, or are assumed to get the least money because I think centers are going to surpass them. Um, and, and, yeah, it's a troubling trend. All right, last one for me. And, Brad, we always appreciate it when you come on, even when you stick the knife in about Mr. Quinn. Um <laughs> The other trend in the NFL, and it's an entertaining one, and Philadelphia is reaping the benefits of it, but running quarterbacks, guys who will pull the ball down and make plays with their legs, that certainly cuts into the viability of running backs because if quarterbacks are running it, running backs ain't. But there is the risk. There is the the injury possibility. Lamar Jackson did well, got paid, even though he missed the end of the season last year. Is that a trend that has hit its peak? Is it only going to go further? Or do teams now start to think, hey, this is a great plus one additive to our team, but when a guy misses an entire season, uh, three quarters of a season, because he gets hurt running the football, will they say, wait a minute, we're putting so much money into the quarterback position, he's not even playing. 
What do you think the trend of the running quarterback in college football plays itself out into the NFL over the next couple of years? I would say this. There's always going to be a continued trend for guys that are mobile and that can scramble, that can make throws off platform going both directions, that have the athletic ability to potentially run, but maybe we see them sort of teams sort of dial back how often they actually take off, right? But but the statue pocket passer clunky athlete is just not, I think, a guy you want right now because the ability to extend plays and have the scramble drill and get these explosive receptions and stuff like that is just such a weapon. And then also, like you mentioned, the threat of the run or the threat of taking off, it, it actually makes things easier for running backs. But I guess maybe then it's, hey, anyone can do this because the defense is so spaced out that it, you know, the quarterback's threat causes it to be easier for everybody else, um, that, that it's not that hard to do the other jobs like running back. But nevertheless, I think that trend will continue. I think what you'll see, though, is like a guy like a Josh Allen or a Jalen Hurts, starting around the midpoint of the season, they'll say, okay, the design run numbers are going to come way down. He can still scramble and all that, but we're not going to dial up you know, keepers and options and, and power runs for the quarterback. At PFF underscore Brad, make sure you follow Brad uh, Spielberger on Twitter. Uh, I see your book, The Drafting Stage, is now available in paperback so people can get that. Amazon.com with Jason Fitzgerald at Over the Cap. Uh, creating a marketplace for NFL draft picks so you can pick that up with Brad. Uh, all right, I'm going to go back to the NFC North because you're a Chicago guy. You used to work for the Vikings. Somebody's got to win that god-awful division. Who's it going to be, Brad? Give me a winner. Give me a winner. Yeah, someone's got to do it. Yeah. I'll go Detroit. I know they're chalk right now. They are the favorite. It's a bad division. It really is. I wouldn't be shocked if, if, if a spunky Minnesota team kind of wins it again. But I'll go Detroit. Uh, you know, they, they addressed their secondary, which was very, very bad. Most explosive receptions allowed in the NFL last year. A bunch of very bad metrics. But – I like what they did in free agency, adding a bunch of players in. And in the draft, you bring in Brian Branch from Alabama in the second round. I think they'll do it. They did enough to, to win that division, but they could be like 10 and 7, you know, with the NFC North crown because it is a bad group of teams. Yeah, but if I tell you that there is not going to be a team in the NFC North that's going to lose 11 games, what would you say to me? Yeah, they're all kind of in that middle spot as well, and obviously the rest of the team stink. I wouldn't be shocked if every team finished in the uh, you know eleven through eight wins. Uh, I suppose. Yeah, it, it wouldn't shock me, but yeah, none of them would be very good, but maybe right. none of them would be terrible. Yeah, no, I hear does you. that make it a ter a bad division? Like yeah. both of you guys just said. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's a bad I, division. I, I should want no, There's no doormat in that division. Yeah. The, the doormat is that they get to play like the Falcons and Panthers and Saints and Buccaneers, and you get to play the Rams and the Cardinals. Yeah. Like that—that's yeah. the doormat. Is that the you know yeah. the, the NFC teams they play against are just, I mean, laughably yeah, bad. I was, I, I was probably too harsh because I do like. <laughs> I, I think Love's going to be better than people think. Uh, obviously, Beals is getting better. Uh, Minnesota's still okay. Detroit's, Detroit's right there to be that fourth. You know, you talk about Eagles, Niners, Cowboys, and then there's got to be a four. I've been going back and forth between Detroit and Seattle as that four. Eh, you know, yeah, so you it's want, not terrible. You want to talk about a bad division? Take residency in the NFC South. That was terrible last year, and I don't see it improving. That Brady guy is no longer there, so there's a good chance that division gets even worse. Brad Spielberger, always a pleasure, buddy. Appreciate it whenever you hop on. You do a great job for us. You do a great job for both 
PFF and also uh, OverTheCap.com. Thank you much. We'll be certainly be getting you back up once the preseason gets underway. Great. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Brad Brent. Spielberger. Uh, Pro hey, Brad Pro got me uh, more excited about Nicholas Morrow. I mean, maybe he took that contract because he wanted to play here. Maybe. You buying that? Not fully, but yeah, I didn't um, think so. Yeah, I, I. But he makes a good point. What's the difference between, you know, one point six and six hundred grand? Because that's what they gave to all the other one-year guys, six hundred grand, right? What's the difference? between taking that with a bad team and taking no guaranteed money with a good team, you might have a better chance to get back on the market. So he brings up a good point. At least. Uh, I, I kind of disagree with both of you. I think you put too much emphasis on the fact that he got no guaranteed money. Brad's right. If he gets 400, he, the Eagles aren't going to cut him right now. I know they could, but they're not going to cut him. And I don't think they, even if they go out and get another linebacker, I don't think they'll cut him. I think it'll be part of their depth. They're going to tell him, oh, by the way, you better be able to play special teams. But he, I don't think he's going to get cut. So who cares whether once he's, he's a vested veteran, once he plays the first game of the season, his entire contract becomes guaranteed. So I, I understand that you can read some things between the lines with a guy who signs as a free agent and how much guaranteed money he gets. Not a tremendous amount of, of import into it, as Brad explained. But I think he overstates what he did on the field. I'm, I'm looking at the plays that he did or didn't make. They were a bad defense. He was the best player on the bad defense. I'll use the McMullen uh, the 20 description. Point, 20 points a game. 20 point scorer on a losing bad NBA team. Yeah. He got a whole bunch of tackles last year on the Bears, but the Bears defense wasn't good. So that's why I, I've got concerns about Nicholas Morrow, not because he didn't get guaranteed money. All right, Jody Mac, Johnny Mac, coming back. You know what we got to do? Put a bow on the show. Put a bow on the week here on Birds 365. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Appreciate your being with us for the downtime of the National Football League here on uh, Birds 365. Yes, it's the summer and we're fighting our way and fighting our way through it. Um, You can do us a favor and hit the like button on the way out the door today so uh, our algorithm will go up a little bit. I, I don't understand what that means, but I'm told to say it, and I believe it when they tell me to say it. So please give us a helping hand, hit the like button. Johnny Mac, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor today. What are you Uh-oh. doing after the show today? Um, oh, I got a, I got a lot of uh, you got a honeydew list. No care. flat tires, though. I hope. No, that's get well. It's getting fixed tomorrow morning. Uh, that's how long it's taken. Jeez. Uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. If you if you get your honey do list over and done with in the next hour and a half, please be tuned here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Yours truly will be filling in for Rob Ellis. Oh, Rob nice. Ellis, Rob Ellis is going to be filling in for me a couple of days next week here on Bird Street 65. So we're doing a reversal thing. I'm filling in for Rob today. So I'm going to get to spend three hours with D Gun. So that should be fun. I've never been. I think I was on the show once as a guest. And I've never nice. Heard it before. I, I wasn't even informed of this. You so aren't informed I'm, I'm of this. Learning, I'm learning uh on the fly. Yes. Uh yours truly in D Gun today on Sports Take here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. I haven't done no I've never done a full show with D Gun. I've just had him on as a guest. So this is, uh, is great, man. Great. Uh they had Jason Kelsey on yesterday. Um, yeah right McDonald comes in we got no guest book but uh, Ellis does the show before he gets out of Dodge Xander he was on yesterday right Jason Kelsey I'm looking for Xander to answer I believe he was yes yes he was yes Uh, we don't have Jason's doing the big uh, charity thing in uh, Seattle Seattle next week next week yeah no, no Jason Kelsey today, but be tuned. Jody McDonald filling in for Rob Ellis on Sports Take this afternoon right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. And then I got a couple of CBS shows to do and uh, just show on WIP. Hardest working man in show business, over the Jody weekend. McDonald. But then, then, come Monday, I'll be right back here with my partner, John McMullen. J-Mac, I'll see you on Monday, right? All right, good luck, Jody. It should be fun. Uh, keep it here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Coming up in just a couple hours, me and D-Gun. But McMullen and McDonald will be back in two and two days over the weekend. 
You've been listening to Birds 365. The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.